Welcome, current and future VeloFluence. You are now tuned into the VeloFlow podcast to take your cycling journey to the next level. I'm your host, Zed Pitts. What's your flow? for tuning into the VeloFlow Project podcast for the second episode and today's topic we will be discussing how to get into cycling and of course before we get into that I have to let you know that you can stay connected to all things VeloFlow Project podcast and the VeloFlow Project itself via Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and also Anchor.com FM. And I will be sure to leave everything that you need in the description section below. So, of course, I want to rant a little bit about my whole experience and bout with this little illness of mine. I did a little investigating myself and I turned to the bicycling magazine and I'll leave that link below as well. And I was trying to figure out how exactly to get back on the bike as soon as possible, whilst not losing too much of my fitness trying to recover over this illness. And I found some pretty essential information that I feel that new cyclists should know at the beginning of their cycling journey. So, so there are three things that I will be discussing today. Um, one thing is um, finding a bike and making sure you have the right one. How do you find a bike and how do you make sure it's the proper fit for you? And um, how should you start off your riding? Like, what type of ride should you be doing in the beginning of your journey? And how do you go about joining other cyclists to further your fitness and measure your fitness goals properly to make sure that you're actually getting faster, stronger, better in your craft? think I'll go over a bonus but I'm not really sure how that would flow into this whole thing um, I'm kind of winging it today like I said I'm under the weather so let me drink a little bit of tea right now hold on mm. I'm drinking some uh, sleepy time melatonin it's pretty late at night um, so I shouldn't be drinking too um, drinking beverages that are too caffeinated anyway so just trying to chill and like I said in the other podcast that this podcast is pretty on the mellow side because I really don't want to be amped up when I'm off the bike and not training I'll save all of that hype energy for training sessions so 
let's get into these topics. So which one are we gonna go over first? I think the first topic should be how to find the bike. How do we go about finding a bike and getting the right fit for a bike? And so to make sure you get the proper fit, I strongly recommend consulting if you have any local bike shops and usually they have uh, a mechanic who is also a bike fitter. You should be able to go into the bike shop and talk to the salesperson and they should have maybe a bike fitter on hand. Usually you would have to schedule those because they take maybe, I want to say an hour, hour and 45 minutes to actually dial in your position on a particular bike. And speaking of dialing in your position on a bike, you don't want to assume that all bikes are created equally because they all have their own geometric formula. I'm not good at math, so I'm not going to get into it, but I do know from my own experience that let's say a 50, a 56 centimeter bike frame on a Cannondale is not necessarily the same setup as a 56 centimeter bike in a Trek brand. Does that make sense? So um, I'm assuming that you will be getting into road biking because I my craft is centered around time traveling and road biking. But this still applies to mountain biking, uh, fat biking, everything. So if you, once you decide on what kind of cyclist you want to become, and that's road biking, time traveling, mountain biking, cyclocross, you can then go to the bike shop and say, hey, I'm interested in these particular brands. Could you fit me on these different brands with the same size bike? And then once you find a bike that you're more comfortable with or most comfortable with, the bike fitter can then go into the fitting process. And like I said, you would, you would set up an appointment and the cost for bike fitting is, it seems pretty, pretty high initially, but I have to say that it is well worth it because if you have the, the fit dialed in, you don't really have to be concerned with neck pain, back pain, hip pain, knee pain, the list goes on, right? So you want to make sure that your bike is properly fitted to you and 
Also, you don't have to worry about buying all of these different like stems of different lengths to accommodate for the lack of or the excess of the frame itself. I saw a lot of people around campus um, at the University of Minnesota here and now these are you know people that commute back and forth to work and back and forth to school and I noticed that oftentimes you'll see the people with their seats slammed all the way to the to the bottom or what I'm what I mean by slam their seats are adjusted to where they push it down as far as they can and usually that means that the bike is too big and then you have the seats that are pulled up <laughs> to the max and that in my opinion I'm not a professional bike fitter but from my experience I noticed that those bikes are usually too small so you can those those cyclists over time will probably notice that their knees hurt um either the front of their knee or the back of their knee and then you have for the front of your knee your seat is probably too far down and the saddle adjustment where you can slide it forward and back is probably too far forward and then if you have knee pain um, in the back of your knee that probably is due to um, your seat being too high so your hips are like rocking trying to accommodate the seat being too high and your legs are actually putting too much putting too much tension on those tendons those tendons back there so yeah um, getting the proper the proper fit is 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 quite important and a lot of people are when they first get into cycling they are concerned with the price of the bikes and you don't have to just jump out the window and shell out fifteen hundred dollars for a carbon fiber bike you can actually rent one to see if you even like cycling in the first place, right? You can go to your local university. If you're like a club member of the recreation center, I know here at the University of Minnesota, they have a renting program and you can rent commuter bikes or row bikes uh, different types of bikes and you can rent them I think daily or weekly I'm not sure I own my own so I don't really have to go through that option but assuming that in the future I might want to try mountain biking for instance I would go there to rent a bike for cheap you know and do weekend mountain biking sessions and also there's the option of renting from your local bike shops now the advantage of renting from a local bike shop is that you can 
literally try a high-end bike before you buy it. Now, the downside is if you crash and burn, you're going to have to buy. You break, you buy, right? So you would be able to go into the bike shop, get fitted on the bike of interest, and actually try it out for cheap, right? That That's great. So if you're interested in the Trek and then you want to try the Trek, like full force, you don't want to just get on the Trek, ride it around the corner, bring it back to the shop and then shell out 1500 bucks. You actually want to go on like a four hour ride to see if it's to see if it's for you, right? So I recommend the latter um, when it comes to testing bikes and seeing if you want to really get into the cycling journey. And then once you decide on what kind of bike you are really interested in, you can then go on like Craigslist and buy a used bike. I don't recommend buying a brand new bike starting off because when you're new, there's so many things that go into cycling beyond just, you know, recreation. Like you might want to start clipping in. And once you clip in, you have to get used to the clips and you may come to that stop sign and then forget to unclip and then that $1,500 bike is now on the ground scraped up because you don't have the muscle memory to clip out. You see what I mean? So I recommend starting off with a used bike and you can go to Craigslist and find you a solid bike. There are plenty of bike swap bike swap meet I think that's what it's called on Facebook. You can go on there and find a bike that's very similar to one that you tested out. Now the downside to that is like the local bike shops I feel some type of way if you decide to buy from someone else after they have spent the time to dial you in and recommend all of these different bikes um, so that you could buy from them essentially, right? So you may want to go through them as well and see if they have any, any used bikes on hand that you would be able to access for a price within your budget. All right, I think I covered, I think I covered proper fit, how to go about getting a bike, all right? Like getting into cycling. Okay, so now we're gonna talk about the ride. Yeah, so how do, how should you start the riding process? <laughs> so, I know you probably listened to the, the first episode, but if you hadn't, I talked about when I first started. I could only go about 
four miles or eight miles. I think it was four miles. And me, it's, I don't know what my expectations were because I was recovering from Graves' disease and getting used to the effects of the disease and how it affected my cardiovascular system. So, I don't know. I guess I I equated bike riding to something that, uh, that was for kids and therefore it should be easy. And man, I was wrong. So, <laughs> I didn't know that there were so many like different types of stressors on the body that cycling can put you through especially when you first start off and I figured that bike riding should be easy so I should be able to just crank out all of these crazy miles and in one day and be okay you know no water bottle no nothing you know it was ridiculous so I recommend not doing that because I ended up being escorted back to where my where I started essentially so yeah you should when you start when you start cycling you should start off very easy I recommend starting off 25 30 minutes and then gradually working your way up to an hour and do this about three to five times a week you know, of course, starting off with three and then, you know, leading up to the five times a week. And um, so those are the, those should be easy. You know, you're just getting yourself used to the rhythm and the, the process of spinning your legs and paying attention to how your body feels on your new properly fitted bike. And I don't recommend clipping in. I know that a lot of you probably just want to jump into clipping in. I don't recommend that. You know, I recommend starting off with some regular pedals, using some regular running shoes, some gym shoes. And if you really want to clip in, I recommend using the uh, novice level or M. Should I call them novice? Beginner level pedals with the toe straps, you know. So you don't have to worry about forgetting to clip out, you know, when you get to that stop sign or that red light. Yeah, so you should do the 25, 30 minutes, two to four, not two to four, three to five days a week. And then, you know, within those, within that frequency, you would increase the number of minutes that you're riding and keep it easy, right? Keep, keep it easy for the first, I want to say the first two weeks, keep it easy. And then you can start, um, as you increase the minutes, you can actually start focusing on how much distance you're covering. Because when you pay attention to the minutes, you're actually creating 
some kind of engine, if you will, for your body to be able co- to be able to cover longer distances. And your endurance rides, I recommend not just jumping out the window and doing, you know, forty miles. Keep it at, you know, keep it at like. 15, 20 miles, you know, and, you know, keep it at an easy pace, of course. Don't get out there trying to, you know, go racing, you know, just, just keep it easy. Focus on your technique. Oh yeah. And that's the bonus. Okay. Here's the bonus. So as you're spinning, you want to concentrate on how you're pedaling. You don't want to just push down on the pedals. And I know I recommend it. Soft shoe, the regular gym shoe. So when you are, when you're pedaling, you want to make sure you're thinking about your pedal stroke as a full circle as much as possible. So if you want, if you have on only a a gym shoe, a regular running shoe, and the regular pedals, you want to concentrate your pedal stroke probably from the one o'clock position all the way to the seven o'clock position. If if your pedal stroke were a clock, or your pedal strokes were a clock. Oh my goodness, I can't speak English today. So that's that. So you want to make sure you put as much power without dead spots in your pedal stroke. Because if you practice good technique in your pre- in your pedal stroke, you will ultimately save more energy, which would in turn translate to more minutes on the bike without being exhausted from using muscles that you don't need to. A lot of a lot of people stamp on the puddle. They stomp on the pu- the pedals. Like I said, I can't speak English today. <laughs> they stomp on the pedals, and then you see them like rocking side to side. That's a waste of energy. So you want to keep your you want to keep your ut- your upper body from your navel up as still as possible. I would even go so far as to say keeping your hips still as much as possible and keep your arms relaxed, your fingers relaxed and focus all of your energy from your glutes, your abdomen and your, in this case, since you have on gym shoes, your, your quads and from the one o'clock position to the seven o'clock position you focus on putting power into that that motion. And then if you have the clips with the straps, you can actually do the full from 12 to 12 power stroke, making sure that each leg is actually putting power through the whole circle as much as possible. And of course, you want to keep your upper body as still as possible. So once you get those endurance miles out, like when you feel more comfortable cranking out 15 to 20, I recommend start getting into what we call tempo. And that's where your breathing, uh, 
you can make sentences, but you are like, you're breathing like really hard. Well, not really hard, but you're actually breathing with your mouth. Like you need your mouth to breathe. And that's where we get into like the interval training. And that would actually help improve your fitness overall quickly, as opposed to just doing easy long distance rides every time that you go out. You're actually putting in interval interval efforts to increase your strength and fitness and your speed. So, like I said, once you get comfortable with the easy and the 15 to 20 mile endurance rides, you want to then move into tempo intervals. And I recommend, I know, yeah, I recommend starting off with like twice a week where you would do something like I guess over an hour or let's make it shorter 30 minutes you would do something like two minute tempo intervals where you're going at a speed that causes you to need to breathe with your mouth and then you take maybe five three to five minutes off to recover and then repeat and you would do that over a 30 minute period i hope that makes sense and i think i'll i think i'll put something in the in the description below so you can have an idea of what interval training should look like because i think that will really help your fitness and this can apply to indoor cycling as well so if you have a like a spin bike at home or you have access to a spin bike in the gym like at your apartment complex or like a planet fitness or something or a spin class bike you could definitely apply interval training to that and don't just you know don't just sit on those bikes i I feel like i see a lot of people they get on those bikes and they just they just kind of turn their legs. Now, if you're recovering, yes, turning your legs, perfect. If you are a bodybuilder and you're warming your legs up, yes. But if you're looking to increase your fitness on a bike like that, like a stationary bike, you actually have to put in some effort. You don't want to just be on a bike just kind of cruising for 20 minutes it's it's not really going to do anything if you don't get your heart rate up to like zone three and above zone two efforts are i like to call those easy zone one to zone two and then but we're not going to talk about heart rate this time i'll talk about that in another podcast but yeah don't just get on those stationary bikes and just you know, spin your legs. If you want to increase your, your fitness, you want to do intervals. You want to do those simple intervals that will actually activate increasing your fitness level. So, and then last but not least with the, the riding question, um, the hard intervals. Now, these are the intervals that you are almost hyperventilating. Uh, I can't speak that word. Hyperventilating. Yes. 
and they're really difficult. So if you were to do interval training over a 30 minute period, maybe in, since you're a beginner, 20 minutes, right? And you want to do hard intervals. These intervals are like, you're, you're probably going to feel like you need to break your form. And when I say your form, then that's like your pedal stroke is inefficient because you're no longer, you're no longer paying attention to how smoothly your pedal stroke is. And I want you to still pay attention to your pedal stroke because oftentimes even the pros, they have these dead spots in their pedal stroke when they are putting out hard efforts and they're wasting energy. So um, the hard the hard efforts pretty much look like you can't breathe properly, you're hyperventilating and you are you're gonna hurt. So if you want to do intervals like this to increase your your overall like, high intensity output on the bike, I recommend 20 to 30 minutes. You would do these intervals for only 30 seconds on, and I recommend one minute off. So you would start off with a warm up, maybe five minutes, and then you get into your first interval. It would be 30 seconds of really hard pedaling you're screaming, and then one minute of relaxation. All right. So once you feel more confident in your bike fit, you started riding, you, you've increased your fitness, and I want to say over maybe two-month period you've done this, I recommend finding a local bicycling group. So... With that, you could probably go on Facebook. You could actually contact local bike shops because usually they have little brochures that carry links to calendars about the local bike groups around town. And what I like about Facebook is that you can just type in your city and then like, bicycling group and then it populates all of these different groups in your search so you can reach out to them a lot of them have like facebook pages oh i gotta drink some tea voice is going out mm. the sleepy time tea is everything right now i put a little bit of lemon juice in there of course, it's, I think this is Valerian Rube. Okay, I'll get back on topic. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you can go on Facebook and look up the different cycling groups. And they usually tell you about the different ability, ability levels. So you, it's usually like A group through D group, uh, A being the fastest, being the slowest and then you have you have the the different oh my goodness I can't think <laughs> I lost my train of thought um, 
So what was I saying? Uh, yeah. So you have those different groups, and then within those groups, you would be able to pick up different skills like drafting or hill climbing and pace lining, which goes with drafting. And then you might even get a little competition going on, you know, find someone that's at your level and then essentially they become a cycling partner or accountability partner. And that's great. You know, me, I go alone right now. Uh, I just moved to the city of the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And right now I don't really know anyone. However, I do intend to reach out to the local bike shops and say, hey, I'm here. You know, I would like to ride with you all. And a lot of groups up here, they have paid group rides where um, you pay like a little small fee of, I want to say $3. And basically this fee is covering like I think liability insurance and maybe the uh, hydration and the nutrition that they provide on the rides. I'm not really educated on that yet. However, I will be very soon. The springtime is right around the corner. Not really. <laughs> I heard the snow up here is like it lasts. It can last until May. So, yeah, so, yeah, find yourself a group and find a group that you can vibe with, you know. You know, like, if a cycling group wants you there or not. And that's, that's one issue that I've been dealing with. I found some groups in the South when I was there, and I felt like... Some groups, I felt like they, they actually, they actually wanted me there. And then I felt like some groups actually wanted to break me, you know, like they were just leave me. And like, I would tell them before we even start, you know, the ride route, Hey, I'm new here. I have no, I have no idea where I'm going and they would still leave. So that wasn't, for me, that was indicative that they didn't want me to ride with them. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it can be frustrating if you don't find a group that you vibe with and a group that actually wants to cultivate your skills and push your fitness to the next level. So, yeah, so I think that covers covered all my topics today oh man i've been talking for like half an hour so what do we go over we went over getting the the bike fitted properly too we went over how to go about getting a bike what should your beginning rights look like and how do you find a group so i pray all of this information helps you on your journey and finding your flow and finding the right type of cycling plan and 
getting you on the bike as fast as possible so you can begin your journey. All right, I think I'm gonna wrap this up now and uh, thank you for listening.